Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories of the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frushik. I think, do I say of the things you love to do? Maybe by... <laughs> I think is um, this how you're starting the episode? We're going to start like this. I love Welcome. talking prepositions. <clears throat> and uh, today we have a very special guest. That special guest is Christopher Plant down in Texas. Hey, t- hey, Chris. The stars are bright. The moon is right. Nope. <laughs> we also have Allegra Frank joining us as our very special expert today. She is going to be talking about a topic that I have experienced personally. Take it away, Allegra. Hello. Um, I'm glad you called me special as well, because I already felt jealous when you called plant special, but I'm used to that. I'm used to not being the special one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) Okay. So today I'm going to talk about something I really enjoy and I hope you guys too. What is, here's my question. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite song? Mm. I know that's a toughie. Easy. No, I don't even have to think about it. Natalie and Brugley is torn. (laughs) (laughs) um i agree same song okay Mm, and have you ever sung it in front of a bar full of 50 people no but i did have to listen to it on loop whenever we did our presidential running test in elementary school (laughs) and if you want to know what it's like for 60 kids to be screaming torn (laughs) okay jim I, I can tell you close. about that, but I think that's for a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about you, Russ? Have you ever sung "Torn" um, in okay, a bar? Okay, so here's—I mean, we're uh, we're clearly talking about a specific <gasps> kind of singing. Do yeah, we want to talk about what? Is. Yeah. Well, I'm setting it up, Russ. <laughs> I'll tell it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna say I have not yet, but it is on my list of things to do. Okay, well, I recommend you try it sometime because bar karaoke, Russ, karaoke is our topic today. And bar karaoke is very fun. Uh, wait, 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 wait. About, Let's yes. pause for a second and uh, let me ask this question. Yes. You keep saying bar karaoke, like that's different oh, from... Oh, no, it's just one form of karaoke. We're going to talk about all kinds. I didn't know there were all kinds. I just figured it was all bar karaoke. Russ, that's why we have this podcast for Oh, us. my God. Well, I get to learn. You're it's a, not it's just a doing treat. it on bar. But, yes, I, I wanted to know if you guys have ever done it because that is one of the many kinds of karaoke, a, a lovely pastime that comes from one of my favorite places, Japan. Yes, plant. I just want to let you know before we go further, and I, I'm so sorry to our listeners, who are, you know, it's who we do it for. Um, I do want to make a correction, though. Uh-oh. Krushik has done bar karaoke oh. in, in Texas. Yeah, but I... And, but, and he sang, he didn't sing Torn, he sang his true favorite song, Flagpole Sitta. That's true. Oh! That is my favorite oh, song no! to sing in karaoke, is Flagpole Sitta. And, and when he said, it is on my list... He literally means that because he keeps a list of songs. So when he goes to karaoke, he is not caught off guard. Yeah. Well, okay. Do we want to talk about this now or do we want to save it for we'll later? We'll save I'm, it for later. I'm so sorry. I'm just, it's my instinct to mm. give that tasty taste. It was going to be pitch. something I bring up, but we can talk about it later. We'll no, talk I, about I'm afraid to tell all of your stories. <laughs> but thank you for that correction plan. I just want to make sure, 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 sure that's sure. at the top of the show. So I appreciate sure, that. Sure, 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 sure. So we'll get back to that. Uh, karaoke is a beautiful pastime from Japan. It's also a Japanese word. I am mispronouncing it, I know, so I would like to offer a, pr- a correction from the top. 
It's often referred to as karaoke here in the States where we don't know how to speak any foreign languages, but it is actually karaoke. And the word actually means empty orchestra. It's short for two separate words in Japanese, kara and oke. So um, we'll get into what where that comes from. But really, we're going to get into the story of one man and who told his story to uh, Topic magazine. So a lot of this will come from his own words, his own story. And his name is Daisuke Inoue. And he is known as the father of karaoke, karaoke as we know it. So karaoke, as we sort of establish, it happens in bars. It happens in private rooms. It happens in clubs. And Daisuke is to thank for how many different places you're able to do this thing. So it means empty orchestra because, as we all know, it's essentially there is music playing, but there's no one there to play it. That's sort of what the genesis of that word means. Shouldn't um, it be empty choir because there's music playing, but there's no one singing? Well, you're singing. You're the choir. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. I'll allow it. <laughs> so in 1952, so this actually happened. Uh, there's this thing in Japan, these performance troops called Takarazuka. Um, you might know them because this all-female version, they've done like a lot of performances based off video games like Phoenix Ride and stuff, which is cool. So there was this one group called Kageki that was like a Takarazuka group. And their orchestra went on strike in 1952 when they were going to do a performance, but their manager was like, you guys still got to go on. We'll figure it out. And so they ended up just playing the music in the background, which some, was something no one had really seen before. So they were like, what's going on? They're just singing and performing, but we don't see anyone there performing the music. Whoa. So that's that's where that term came from. But as for karaoke becoming more of a small scale, like people going up on stage, grabbing a microphone and singing a song that only has the instrumental track and you know, maybe flubbing it or killing us all, like showing us up. Uh, it, it really does start in the bar, which is why I kind of wanted to bring it there first. So Japan, uh, you guys have both been there. Uh, I've been there as well. And there is a big, <laughs> I, ha I too have been there. And we all probably know that there is a big drinking culture there, especially with businessmen, right? So we can talk about cultural uh, and societal issues in Japan in another episode. <laughs> but a lot of businessmen go to the, these little bars or larger clubs and bars and spend a ton of money. Um, and back in the 60s, a lot of these clubs had a lot of live music going on. It's That's still a thing, but there were these places called Snacks, which is an adorable name, um, mm -hmm. where like they would have live jazz bands or whoever. And now Daisuke Inoue was a uh, Kobe native, which is a city in Japan, and he was one of those heavy drinkers. So as a kid, uh, he said in, in this really great Topic magazine piece, uh, he was really interested in being a drummer. So he already has this musical background. He really just wanted to be a drummer. He wasn't great at it, but he was like, okay, I don't care about school. I'm going to just try and make my own money by playing the drum. So he would just go and like book these little gigs. So after he graduated, he was like, okay, I could go to college, but I don't care about school. I just want to be a drummer. And surprisingly, uh, you know, usually your parents would be like, no, you got to go to college. You're not going to make any money. You're not even good. <laughs> like usually, usually that's what my parents would say. But his parents were like, okay, yeah, you go try and be a professional. Um, so Drumming is also so much work. You just have to lug yeah. everything around. You exactly. need a band. No one's going to see one drummer. Mm -hmm. And the mm. thing is, so a lot of these places he would be able to book gigs, 
were these these snacks, these little bars. And it's really hard to, yeah, like you can't lug your drum to a bar and back. Um, so unless there was already a, a drum there, like... Wait, is it a single it. drum? Is it like a taiko drum? No, I mean like a drum set, really. I'm okay. just saying drum. <laughs> <laughs> it's a taiko drum. <laughs> yeah, what music do you think they're doing in these bars? <laughs> he has bongos, Russ, okay? <laughs> no, he has like... He played like drum a drum kit. Sure. Um, yeah, so you can't really carry those around. But as he said himself... Uh, here's a good quote from him. He's very funny, by the way. One night, I realized that no matter how much I practice, I could never be as good as someone with God-given talent. That's what he said about his own drumming, which is sad. Yeah, humble. He's very humble. Yeah. I mean, he's always said he's not good at this, but whatever. So he uh, decided, okay, I'm going to give up. I'm going to just stop trying to be on the professional circuit, and I'm going to go home. So he still went to these bars, though, because, like, duh, he's still drinking and (laughs) he's still hanging out in bars. (laughs) That's what you do. So he would notice that all these people would be singing, like, along to the live music in the bars. Um, So, you know, they would play, like, popular songs, but just the the instrumentals. But then people would actually start chiming in and everyone Mm. would be singing in the audience. And he was like, oh, you know what? I like this. I do like music. Maybe I'm not good at it, but it's fun. So he decided to try to learn an instrument that would allow him to actually play it in these bars. So he started picking up the keyboard. And he was a lot better at that. He was able to play a lot of popular songs. And the thing about him is he's a really hard worker, even though he's really down on himself. So he said, according to him, he learned like 300 songs really quickly, like popular songs. And sorry, where what time period is this? Oh, so sorry. This is uh, 1968, 69, late 60s. I didn't even know they had keyboards back then. Uh, Well, he called it a keyboard. I don't know if it's an electric keyboard, but yeah. I mean, I guess they had electric keyboards. Of course they had keyboards. (laughs) When did that? I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, of course they did. It's not like everyone had a standing piano. I guess that's true. Just right? seems like like a more <laughs> like a 70s and 80s kind of thing. Bob Dylan had switched to the electric already, man. Thank <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is history of smooth music raps. We'll have our episode about Don't Look Back later on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great, great. People are going to love that one. <laughs> So anyway, Daisuke started making a name for himself as this like young dude who was really good at picking up songs fast and like would play whatever you wanted him to or just would learn a popular song. And um, people like would always go to the same kind of bars. Like it basically was like, you know, everyone had their little neighborhood bar that they went to all the time. So a lot of these people, a lot of these businessmen, like older men, rich people (laughs) would go to these bars. And they, like, started to know him. So they were like, oh, hey, you're the dude who, like, knows my set list. Like, you know how to play to my voice. And if they had to go to some, like, work outing or some vacation um, and they wanted to, like, sing the song for their office, like, everyone really likes singing in Japan. (laughs) So they would oftentimes, like, be called upon to sing. Um, So these guys would be like hey can you like tape some of that music so i can sing to it because i'm not going to be able to you know you're the only person who gets my range and obviously you can't come with me because i'm going on a cruise and i'm not paying for you so you can't come but can you record my your music and they offered to pay him so good that's great right like finally he's making yeah he's making some money 
So Daisuke was like, oh, this is interesting. I I could do something with this. I could do something with these recordings and making money off of them because people clearly want to sing along to them and then I don't have to be there all the time. So he created, funny thing is he actually, the high school he went to was like a sort of an engineering type school, like one of those sort of career oriented schools. So he actually like learned a lot of um, electric, like engineering and that sort of thing. So uh, he he claims that that didn't really help him when creating this machine, but I assume he's, again, being humble because he's able to create the karaoke machine. Now, this is 1969, and it's called the Juke 8, but it sounds pretty similar to what you guys might think of as a karaoke machine, like in a, a bar. So basically it had a little coin slot and an 8-track player. So I guess those were around in the in 1969, which was surprising me, but... Um, basically you would put like a hundred yen in and it would give you five minutes. So you could pick a song on the like eight track and like that, let's say the song lasts three minutes. You still have two minutes left. So people would obviously like keep putting more money in to get more time. Sure. Because if you only have five minutes, like he just estimated that that was the right amount of time that like it would cut people off in the middle of a song. Oh, diabolical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically he came up with this machine plus this money making scheme. (laughs) But effectively the machine is just a jukebox on a timer. Yeah. It's the juke eight. So it's like a jukebox, but like all the music in there is just the instrumentals. Right. Right. Got so, it, right. but the yeah. Fonzie was familiar with the jukebox many years before this. <laughs> in 1969, yeah, I guess well, so. Even earlier, it was the 50s. yeah, we're talking 50s, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. Hey. <laughs> it's a version of the jukebox. It sure. was much smaller, so like people would buy it from him. Uh, so in 1969, that's when he came up with it, and then by 1971, he was able to like have enough of them manufactured that he could start selling them. Do you know any of the tracks that were on it? No, he didn't mention any of them. Mm. Um, so again, like this is mostly from his own like article, his piece about it. But also, I assume like a lot of them were Japanese pop songs, right? And Creep, Creep is on there too. Yeah, it was in 1971. It was on there. Yeah. Do you mean TLC's Creep or do you mean Radiohead? No, I meant Radiohead, but TLC okay. works too. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, Daisuke started selling it and it was blowing up because already there was this bar culture, right, of people singing along to the music. Like that was already an established thing. And now was here was a much simpler way to do that without having to necessarily even pay musicians, right? Like you can just buy the machine, stick it in there. He's making money off of it. Um, he didn't mention if, you know, how that splits with the bar and I kind of assume it just goes to him, but even so like that gets people in your bar. Totally. Um, one thing which will come up again later though, is as this was blowing up, especially by the eighties, he mentioned, he still was like, I could patent this, but I don't really want to, there's no point. So just keep that in mind. He like didn't own the patent. He just kept manufacturing this thing, which was very original at the time. I also feel like it would be very difficult to patent as, apart from the timer aspect of it. Like yeah. it's a jukebox, like it has yeah. instrumental songs, but you can't really patent that. Yeah. And he also just was like, I don't want to make this needlessly complicated. He had to work on like getting record labels on board so he could actually get, you know, license. Oh, so he had the rights to it. Uh, to the he, songs he used. Yeah. He had to get the rights. Wow. Yeah. So that took some time. But as it got more and more popular, it was a little bit easier. Um, here's something else he was saying about like the popularity of the karaoke machine and how widespread it was. 
And it's like an interesting analysis, actually. He's very insightful. Um, he said, in Japan, the 70s were not a good time. Companies were bankrupt, many people lost their jobs, and many businessmen committed suicide. Yeesh. There were 35,000. <laughs> Listen, it gets every, nice. Every Allegra episode. Nice. Go on. There's always death, I know, but that is life. From <laughs> Death comes mm. life again. Very astute. <laughs> Okay, so there were 35,000 suicides in Japan in 1971. That is not funny at all. I'm so sorry. Uh, which was when, That's coincidentally... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not laughing at the number because the number is genuinely tragic. It's very horrible. Like you said something dark, and you're like, no, no, don't worry. It gets good. <laughs> and then you, you followed it with... I, I thought we were out of the woods, and it was like what I... I it's like... The eye of the storm is what that was. Yeah. It's like the hurricane hit it. And it was like, oh, this is bad. Oh, thank goodness. We're, we're in the clear. Oh, no. No, not at all. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, okay, got it. Got we're it. out of there now, though. Okay. Okay. We I'm just, I, okay I we're, out, sure we're out for good. The comments come. We survived. Cool, cool, we survived. Cool, cool, cool. Because we're in 1971. And guys, that's when they started putting karaoke machines all over the place. Hmm. So I mentioned before, Daisuke Inoue was from Kobe, which is a, a city, but a smaller city, obviously, than like Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, any of those. But it caught on there. Like, it's not so isolated or anything that like people from other cities don't know about this. So obviously, <laughs> it's not like some random island on this island. It's also famous for the most Kobe beef. Meat. Yeah, <laughs> on the planet. Like, people know what it is. Have you guys heard of it? Okay. Um, so it ended up going to, like, Osaka and Tokyo. And once it hits Tokyo, like, it's going to be all over the place, right? Big time. Big time. So, as he said, uh, it seemed that people started to enjoy life a little more and were able to forget some of the stress. Just sweet. Karaoke helped people kind of just lose themselves and not focus on all the terrible things that were happening in Japanese society at that point. Um, he said also they were even placed in hospitals as a rehabilitation tool. Yeah. To help people get better, which was really I love sweet. that. Yeah. So it had a really positive impact on the Japanese people. Um, and another really cool thing. So uh, one of the big things about karaoke, if you guys have ever been to like private rooms. So obviously like private rooms came out of bars like people basically found any possible way to put karaoke machines in a place and so private rooms are a really big part of that now where you can rent out a room for a certain amount of time and you know you'll get to play as many songs as you can in that amount of time whatever so a big part of that is the lyrics showing up on screen right Right, of course. Right so you need the lyrics we don't all have everything memorized mm. so he <laughs> he was able to like continue updating this machine. So by the 80s, they started using laser discs. Whoa. Yeah, which crazy, those huge things. And they were able to, um, you know, connect to a monitor and then the mm. lyrics would start showing up. So that's when I guess. That yeah, that makes sense. Because like laser, like you couldn't have like 50 VHS tapes mm -hmm. and then having to like rewind and fast forward. Like laser discs seems like at that time period, pre DVD, your only real option. Yeah. Exactly. So it didn't happen until like the 80s that they were able to really get the lyrics showing up because, yeah, they didn't have that that can, real good material. Can we, can we pause for a second and just yes. I can just share a little bit about my life? Yes. Uh, <laughs> my 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 childhood, my uh, I live in small rural town it became like a, a city. But when I grew up there, not not a lot of money, 
Um, we learned how to ice skate in the gym by using uh, shredded uh, carpet tabs, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. samples. Uh, for they, when they did have a little bit of money uh, going into my junior high, they were like, oh, I guess before I had actually gotten there, like, oh, we have all this money. We need to get a media center for our library, like, you know, really important movies. What will we do? We'll invest it all into Laserdisc. So all through junior high and high school, whenever I needed to check out, like, media from our library, I had to, like, check out our Laserdisc players. Oh, wow. In, in Laserdisc. And this is also following, like, when I was uh, in elementary school, I think it was, like, 1993 or 94, they invested in Macs, like, right before Windows 95 Aww. came out. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, Apple cool. IIe's, come on. Pretty good. Sure, I mean, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, that's what I'm here for. I'm just adding some color commentary. Well, I appreciate you know, it. That, that rural... With his Grapes of Wrath upbringing. Folksy, you know. Uh, okay, never mind. Bye. God. I don't want to make you guys feel old again, but it is that part of the episode where I do. I only recently learned what a laser disc looks like. Oh, Yeah. Mm. It's a giant I, wafer. I've never seen them in real life. I think I just happened to see a picture of one. It just looks like, like a giant CD. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's like a really big CD. Um. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know thing. if you're gonna. I don't know if you're gonna talk about Allegra. Um, yeah. the like videos. Can we talk about the videos? Oh uh, yeah. So I didn't get into those, but yes, those videos are always so nuts. I like, like that desperately like, want to yeah. know the story of like where this footage came from of like it's always like a man and a woman walking alongside like yeah. a river and then like a swan comes up and like the swan chases the man yeah. and i've seen that but shot 50 different ways i started looking into that and it seemed like dense enough on its own i don't know if that requires a spin-off episode oh, but man, it was maybe. like a lot bonus yeah it is i love those videos um when i was in Japan. <laughs> I've been to Japan, as I said. So last time I was in Japan, um, we were at this party at a bar and there was karaoke going on. And they it was like half run by Japanese people and half run by American people. So all the videos were like parodies of those. So a lot of them would just be like PowerPoint slideshows with Adam Sandler's face poorly cropped onto them. And it would just have like the lyrics for All Star for some reason. Like it was very surreal and just like clips from weird Adam Sandler movies. Bizarre. I don't I don't like that. I I like the OG style videos that have (laughs) no real consequence. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) Well, we can I don't uh, Daisuke himself did not pioneer those videos, but. We can thank him for coming up with the machine and Time Time Magazine did. So actually in uh, 1999, they did this big issue. You can actually find it online. Um, There's an archive of it. It was called like the Asia Now issue. Um, So it was like honoring the 20th century's biggest Asian influencers. And he was on the list for creating karaoke. What number was he at? It wasn't like number. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if he'd be that high. <laughs> strangely, he was like in the table of contents. I think he was like the last or second to last person. Oh, <laughs> but I d- it wasn't a numbered list. Okay. He also won this prize called the Ignoble. Oh prize. yeah, sure. Ignobel, Ignoble. Yeah. Um, 
which was basically like, haha, you created this thing that's really but annoying. That's <laughs> crap. Like, usually that uh, they award people that like invent things that are totally useless, but this is actually something that's like good. I know. So I was kind of mad about that. But, Boo. Uh, again, he has a very good sense of humor. Um, here's something he told Time because it's actually a funny little anecdote. And then I have one more thing about him. And then I want to briefly talk about like America's uh, interests. But here's something he said to Time. After I make something, I always become the worst at it, as in karaoke. I'm good at nurturing and training others, but my students always end up surpassing me and making more than I do. And then Time notes, Inoue didn't even try karaoke himself until earlier this year on his 59th birthday. What? <laughs> he literally just never did it, apparently. That doesn't make any sense. He was making the thing. He's so very, he, I like him a lot, but he's very weird. Like, this big piece from Topic Magazine that he wrote is, like, extremely dryly funny. But literally, he told Time, yeah, I actually don't do this thing. It seems bad. I'm not good at it. Hey, History of Fun listeners. We think you need another fun podcast, and we think you'll like The Eater Upsell, hosted by me, Daniel Janine, and Eater's editor-in-chief, Amanda Clute. Each week, we cover crazy food stories, interview celebrity chefs and dynamic food world figures, and offer in-depth pieces about a specific topic. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. The Eater Upsell, the best place to talk about food. So last thing I will say, and then briefly talking about America here, uh, is that he didn't patent the machine, as I said, which again will come up later, but he didn't patent it. So he didn't make a ton of money off of this. The, where, the places he made his money were two other places. He made this book where you could write down the numbers of the songs like in, you know, on the oh, yeah, sure. or whatever. Um, so you could remember which song numbers you wanted. And then... Wait, it's just a book with paper in it. <laughs> it's basically your personal karaoke book is what it was. Okay, but, I do that, sure. Yeah. But this is where he made most of his money. He <laughs> created the prototype for a cockroach killing machine that got rid of any cockroaches or bugs that got stuck inside of the karaoke machines. Wait, it's specific to the karaoke machines? Yeah. That seems like a very narrow use case. I know, but yeah. he somehow made a ton of money off of it. Bugs get in electronics. Have you ever wondered what would happen if you opened up your PS4? Oh, yeah, there's that good article about that. that no. so gross. Do you not know about this, Russ? No. So, like, Ooh. now that there's all these, it's, it's worse for, like, Alexas, but all these uh, electronics that are in kitchens... So it turns out that bugs are able to squeeze themselves into the cracks of consumer electronics. Yeah. And they love uh, the warmth of them. No, I don't like this. And since there's no, already, like, no, food we're not in the kitchen. It's going to be too disturbing people, like, for people. Open their Alexas and no. they will like gush. <laughs> no. They'll like gush. Oh, we got it. We got it. Okay, like thank you. Dead, no, like, no, we're like, not going to talk about what Josh is out of the Alexa. Uh -huh. We understand. Okay, just trying to make sure that you like new. Yes, I, I understand. I don't know who's putting food in there, but don't put food in there. No, you don't have to. It's after they eat, they want to go get some sleep, and then they find themselves trapped. I would imagine that his bug trap was probably effective for places elsewhere besides just the karaoke machines, I if imagine. I had to guess. Yes. And I would also say... Mm -hmm. Mm, interesting that was too disturbing i never want to hear anything about that um but the origins of the term bug with regards to computers was in fact a bug that was literally stuck inside a computer and that's where that why it's called a bug yeah Gross. i mean 
Have you ever thought about like what it would be like if you were listening to stuff at night on your Alexa, and then you're like, okay, no, stop turn it, turn off Alexa, <laughs> stop but then like it Allegra, still what's sounds, next? Talk about karaoke still, loudly. It, it still sounds like there's a little bit <gasps> okay. of noise coming from it. You're no, like, noise. let's talk about different have kinds to cut of noises. <laughs> no, it's great. This is good audio. Somebody's listening to this podcast on an Alexa right now that is a home to like 30 roaches and <laughs> waiting for Papa to go to sleep. And now and play, the roaches are style. freaking out because now the owner of the Alexa knows. <laughs> he, knows. he has a hammer in his hand. <laughs> okay, so quick thing about America. Um, so obviously we're from America and karaoke is popular here. However, mm. it's kind of interesting that uh, America... Sort of, it's a little bit interesting that sing, singing along to things was like always a thing, but they already mm-hmm. had sort of a, a gamified way of doing that in the same way that karaoke is now before Japan even started to do this thing. So in 1952, it ran for like five years, but in the early to mid 50s, there was a sing along show. And now, do you guys know that little bouncing ball that yes. we see? Yeah. So that originated from the sing along show where they would just have the lyrics on screen and there would be people singing on TV along to it and then it would encourage like families to do it. Mm. Um, so this predates obviously like the karaoke machine and all of that, which was interesting because uh, it took until 1982 for America to get its own karaoke bar, which was uh, a place called Dimples. <laughs> I like because I have dimples. This is not a strip club to confirm. <laughs> it's a karaoke bar. Okay. Apparently. And the owner was Sal Ferraro, and he opened it in 1982. Of course, his name is Sal. Yeah. Right across from WB, the lot uh, for Warner Brothers. It's in L.A. Mm. Um, or I guess Burbank or whatever. And he saw, he says, an in-home karaoke machine at a party. So some rich person, some rich Hollywood type. And he was like, I want to make my bar that I just opened seem cool. I'm going to get one of those. Um and he said in an interview with the Daily News right before the bar closed in 2015, because it got replaced by a Whole Foods. I mean, um, good run, though. Yeah. He said, like, oh, you know, we had to read the, bu- the lyrics out of a book. So just imagine, like, everyone's holding a book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what everyone good. had to do. But it really blew up after, like, CDs came out. So later in the 80s. Um, and then I found this New York Times article that I kind of liked because it has... The, the the use of the phrase hip club hoppers, which I feel like is the 90s version of hipsters. Is um, this like an 80s article? 1991. Oh, 91, so yeah. it's talking about how like karaoke really blew up uh, in New York City. Like there were starting to be like tiny but very popular karaoke places. Um, so the self-consciously hip club hoppers would go to these clubs and just get really, really smashed and do karaoke. And they were all kind of like little places. New York Times referred to them as having a hint of the speakeasy. Um, so these weird kind of places where you would like look through a peephole and then they would be like, you here for singing? And they'd be like, yeah. And then they'd let you in. <laughs> so that's kind of how karaoke started out here. And now obviously it's huge. Um, so yeah, that's sort of uh, the history of karaoke from the creation of the actual machine uh, and our boy Daisuke. And then we have some fun facts. Okay, but to, but to be clear, like, it's all mostly just bar karaoke. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there's bar karaoke. Obviously, there's these clubs, which, you know, the hint of a speakeasy, that speaks exactly to, That's like, just a bar. No, it's there's a kind private of bar. rooms. They were very private. Oh, oh, okay. So let me, let me say a few things. One, if you're only doing karaoke in private rooms, shame on you. That's not real karaoke. <laughs> You need to be in a large room with strangers to have the true karaoke karaoke experience. Waiting mm-hmm. for three hours for your song not to get called is part mm-hmm. of the true karaoke experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should I talk about my, my list now? Because um, it ties into the true karaoke experience. If you want mm-hmm. to, uh, you okay. can. I, I, I do want to hear about your fun facts, but it's right. important. The fun okay. facts are pretty quick, but you can go. Okay. So... <laughs> People don't really realize how much pressure doing karaoke should be on people, which is to say people are very cavalier in their song choices when it comes to karaoke to the detriment of everyone involved. You need to know things like length of song, Mm -hmm. pace of song, how many people know it, Mm. like how well you know it. All of these things should combine into a great karaoke song, but so many people are like, I'm going to do American Pie, and then everyone in the bar must suffer through American Pie for nine minutes, and no one is happy. Mm-hmm. So please, mm-hmm. please do a little bit of diligence and make sure that the song you're picking, even if it's a song that everyone does, like Creep, mm-hmm. <laughs> either the TLC version or the Radiohead version, <laughs> even if it's that song, just go safe rather than going with something that you're not super familiar with. Mm-hmm. Which is why I keep a list on me because invariably when I do karaoke, I'm also drunk and I do not remember and I get very confident. So I keep this list to maintain my level of humbleness mm-hmm. about the songs that I can pick. Okay. That's, That's all I had to say. <laughs> I'm glad. I've I, I seen it in person. It's written and, down. Yes. It, well, it's a, it's a good, it's like on my iPhone, I have a note. Oh, okay, I have a yes. notes note. That is very impressive. Um, I just have it in my head that I will always do Losing My Religion by Aria. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. It's pretty that's great. That's good. Um, okay. Well, that's a fun fact from Russ. So thank you. You're Here's welcome. some fun facts from me. Uh, so I mentioned multiple times, because I always do this, that Daisuke Inoue did not take out a patent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he didn't become rich off his machines. The person who did was a Filipino man. In 1975, he patented basically the same thing, karaoke sing-along machines, he called it, but literally the same thing. Like, you put a coin into it, and, you you know, there's eight tracks or CDs or whatever to load the songs up, yada, yada. So he was able to get the patent. Um, obviously, like, by 1975, it had spread cross-country. So he's the one making all the money off of it. And so, as a result, the Philippines have a huge karaoke culture like as big as Japan's, but a lot uh, scarier than Japan's because here's something that a reader actually pointed out to me. I'm sorry I didn't take your name down because you linked me to an article and so I just read the article. (laughs) Um, But it's from New York Times in 2010. Uh, In 2010 in the Philippines, more than half a dozen people were murdered in or outside of karaoke bars. (laughs) Why? What is wrong with you? Can we just replace any time death or murder comes out of your mouth with hugs? (laughs) What if I just said a lot of people got hugged in a bar? That's fine. That's fine. Because there might be kids listening, and I don't want... So let's just say hugs We need, like, a Chrome extension for the podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> or just you edit out all the murder. So for my episodes, it's like half of it is gone. <laughs> okay, so a lot of people like to sing the song "My Way." You know? Oh yeah, song. sure by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Wait, I've heard a thing about that though. Mm-hmm. The is "My Way" true? killings. Yeah. Huggings. Yeah. The "My Way" huggings. Yeah, I mean, as far as this New York Times article goes. So what is what causes it? It's really wild. So people are very serious about karaoke in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of there's like two interpretations here. Um, So one is that people are so serious about it that if for any reason, like maybe you're off key, maybe you forget a word somehow. If someone starts laughing, that person will get really mad. And then a fist fight will break out. Someone will get stabbed. Is this only during my way or is this with any? I mean, I guess, but like it's called the my way killings because they say it like predominantly happens during my way to the point where people are like, I, I won't sing that. People get well, killed singing that. Yeah. My way is, I will say, like a very um, uh, kind of prideful song to pick because yeah. you really it's like a big bellowing solo like. Frank Sinatra talking about how he lived his life the right way. So anyone making fun of you in the middle of that would be like a serious shaming. Yep. And that's actually what this one guy that New York Times talked to said. Butch Albert, Albert Rachin, Rachin, I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry, Butch. But he was like, oh, my way is so arrogant. Lyrics evoke feelings of pride and arrogance on the singer as if you're somebody when you're really nobody. It covers <laughs> up your failures. That's why it leads to fights. So that's the other interpretation. Like, if you sing there, it, you're a jerk. There is an excellent um, King of the Hill episode uh, exactly about this topic. And about My Way. My Way? Karaoke My Way, yes. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so the My Way killings were, uh, good, there was good a spate of them. How many more um, horrible uh, death and dismemberment topics are you going to bring up um, throughout this episode? I just have one more. And <laughs> okay, great. It's not about death. It's, oh, okay. it's our favorite. It's a Guinness World Record. Oh, oh my no, I like Why these. are you doing this to us? <laughs> no, I like them now. I've come around. Great. So I want you guys to guess. Here's the record for the largest karaoke, like the most people who did karaoke at the same time. Okay, and this is Guinness? Guinness. How many people? million? No, stop five it. million, seven million. I don't know. It could be the entire world came. No, together. but hold on. This is actually not a terrible one because this is actually it's hundred like, percent a terrible one because they're going to include a baseball stadium. I guarantee you that they include a baseball stadium. Oh, if it's a baseball stadium yeah, and they're all singing, like a, "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." One hundred eighty thousand. Well, That's let your me, guess? Before I guess, do you know what song it was, Allegra? Yes. Do you want me to what? tell you that first? Yeah, tell me what song it was. Okay, I was really surprised because I don't know the song. Okay. Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Oh, I got friends you don't in know low this song? places. You don't know that With song? in the beer, Yeah. My blues. That's away. a very popular karaoke song. Okay. Yeah, it's a, a, uh, and that, it I would also day. say that probably wasn't in a baseball stadium. I don't know. I guess they could play no, in a baseball that's, stadium. No, that sounds like a minor league baseball stadium having a, a, an excuse for people. An, to ev- an event, right. Yep. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna guess twenty five thousand. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say now I'm gonna elevate it to like forty thousand. Forty thousand. Forty. Okay, twenty five and forty. It was one hundred sixty thousand. Wow, no, that must be like a college one. football situation. <laughs> it was at the Bristol Motor Speedway in Bristol, Tennessee, uh, in August two thousand nine. Right ahead of a NASCAR race. Doesn't count. 
Do you think they even said the words karaoke? Or do you think it was just like, let's all sing along to this song? It just started playing. They didn't even ask. It just started playing and everyone just started singing. But this logic, that's like, we break that record every time. They play Deep in the Heart of Texas in every Houston Astros game and Mm -hmm. like every other game. And like, that's... That wins every time, every single time. we. There's not more than 100,000 people at an Astros game. Okay, every time they sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at Dodgers Stadium, it beats that. I don't think it's that big. Are you kidding? (laughs) I think it's like 80,000 is like the most you'll get in a baseball stadium. Stop looking stuff up. This is not your topic. (laughs) (laughs) Any other fun facts, Allegra? Um, Let me see. I think... I guess I already gave you my personal fun fact, which was my karaoke song of choice. Um, but Wait, no. I forgot it. Oh, losing my religion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. And I, like, there has so... been a moment. There was a moment recently uh-huh. where I briefly considered doing It's the End of the World as We Know It because I know it mm. pretty well, mm-hmm. but it's, that is a bold choice and you better nail it. Yeah. There's a lot of words time. in that song. That's tough. I wouldn't go for that. Uh, uh, just yeah. so Ross feels vindicated, fifty six thousand. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> at 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 and T Stadium, the capacity is uh, maximum attendance is one hundred and five thousand. One hundred and six. Where is that in San Francisco? AT and T Stadium. It's the Cowboys yeah. Stadium. Oh, the Cowboys Stadium. Oh yeah, I, I see what you're thinking. Yeah, yep. that that wasn't totally absurd. Thank you. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> like That's okay. Uh, is it time for reader-only memories? It is. Reader-only memories. Reader-only memories. Great time. Great, great going this time. Um, okay, so people really, like, I got multiple emails. I got text messages. I got frantic DMs. Oh, people man. People really wanted to talk about karaoke. DMs both on Twitter and Slack today, even. Uh, mm. People are big fans. So I'm just going to, I'll give you some tweets and then a nice Slack message I got from one of our coworkers um, at Vox Media. But I'll also tell you, my friend texted me to remind me of our karaoke history growing up. Um, so she was like, you just need to mention on your show that we used to play Sing Star and Karaoke Revolution. Do you guys remember those games? Sure, yeah. We used to play those all the time, and we would always sing um, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies by Panic at the Disco. <laughs> so I don't know that you one. guys remember how old I am? <laughs> um, our friend would always sing Survivor by Destiny's Child. Sure, yes. And, uh, God, what was the other one that we would always do? Oh, she also did My Heart Will Go On a lot. And there weren't that many songs in SingStar, so we would always end up playing like the same songs over and over and over. So I used to know like all of these mid two thousands pop songs by heart, and we would just do it. We would have sleepovers and just do this. Like we were all very into karaoke, and I did forget that part of my life briefly. But um, here are some non Allegra Frag people. Uh, here's O Kimmy's on Twitter, and they said, "I'm a member of a competitive karaoke league, complete with." Theme nights, costumes, props, and choreography. Last season, I learned all the lyrics and the dance to Gangnam Style. I don't, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't speak Korean, so I use Duolingo to learn correct pronunciation. Wow. Other highlights, performing All Star by Smash Mouth in a Shrek costume. Heard it through the grapevine, dressed as a bunch of grapes, and they attached a picture. And my team's Mario-themed group performance of Mamma Mia. <laughs> 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 Which is very good. 
Um, Sunny Ross Straws on Twitter said, I was on holiday with my friends when I was 18 in Bulgaria, drunk and, <laughs> sorry, in Bulgaria and drunk. And an old man asked me if I could sing. I laughed and said, yes. He took my arm and led me to a microphone in front of about 3,000 people. I cannot sing, but I absolutely did. Wow. And the song was Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode, by the way. Good karaoke mm. song. And here is from Emily Exploded on Twitter. Me and my friend's bar of choice does karaoke on Friday and Saturday. New Year's this past year, they weren't going to do it, but we forced them into it. I sang Africa by Toto, got dumped at midnight, blacked out, then proceeded to sing Dancing on My Own by Robin to ease the pain. <laughs> a lot. I've definitely done Africa a few times. It uh, is a good one. I remember Chris Grant doing... Oh, I think it was Call Your Girlfriend, not Dancing on My Own by Robin. Yeah, Chris Grant does, uh, what is that, uh, Royals song? By Lord? By Lord. That's yeah. his, like, go-to. Yeah, Royal. that's editor-in-chief of Polygon. Last mm-hmm. story here, and then that's it from me, comes from James Barham, who is the photographer over at The Verge, friend of the site. Um, mm. So he told me, he was like, can I please send you this, this story? I love karaoke. And I was like, sure. So in 2006, he told me he was a little obsessed with karaoke. Uh, he only worked as like a freelance photographer. So he said he would go out until 4 a.m. Uh, with his good friend. And they were very serious. So they went to this one place all the time um, on the Lower East Side in New York. And they would like write their song choice on a piece of paper. And the person somehow was just like able to keep track of them in order, even though it was literally just scraps of hand scrawled paper. Um, just stack the paper. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but he could also like <laughs> read all of them. Like my handwriting is terrible. Sure. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of like 80s songs and whatever. Like they would sing to the entire room, like classic bar karaoke. Um, one time he said he tried Take On Me by AHA and couldn't speak the next day. Yeah, it's very high. But the highlight of karaoke at Planet Rose, which was the place in, on the Lower East Side, was after sneaking into a private event one night and singing a particularly rousing version of my go-to, Rebel Yell, by mm. Billy Idol, uh, I mm. met the woman who would become my wife a few years <gasps> oh. later. So yes, singing a good song karaoke can literally change your life. I always hate it when people sing Rebel Yell because it's very grating, but I guess <laughs> he found someone. <laughs> that's, that's how you know it's love. I wish he had sang White Wedding. That would have been very appropriate. Yeah, White Wedding is good. That uh, would have can been I, very can I get a transition to uh, podcast comment songs? Yes. Uh, podcast. Okay, no, we no, need no, a good no. name for it. Well, you know what? We're going to have to work on this. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Uh, I want to I share a few comments uh, in answers to our prompts from uh, Frank Futterguy. Uh, best podcast. Thank you, Frank. Um, says, the, uh, I never watched Are You Afraid of the Dark, but the worst food to have an eating well, competition would have to be. We should mention that we asked people about. Oh, oh yeah. This. So, he wasn't <laughs> just saying that. Right so, well, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> let me, okay, let me try that again. Best podcast. Uh, thank, thank you, Frank. Um, we asked people for their uh, favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes uh, one week. Another question was, what would be the worst food to eat in a uh, competitive eating competition? Uh, without a doubt, dry cereal. It seems oh, at first, yeah. but three handfuls in, your mouth gets too dry. It's oh, hard to eat anything else. Yeah, like frosted mini-wheats? Can you imagine? It'd be a disaster. 
it, it would be a disaster. Um, we have, uh, wait, somehow knew, Raw G-Sauce, Russ somehow knew that I hadn't reviewed this podcast yet. Once again, <laughs> Russ seems to just know who is not uh, yeah, Russ. responding. Yeah, I called out um, Michael last time. This is such a jolly podcast where it brightens my Monday drive to work. I have suggested this podcast to Boys. Thank you. Uh, keep it up. P.S. The side story saga of the ROM theme song has been thrilling. It took a while, <laughs> but we got there, I think. Uh, Agree so to disagree. It, it keeps changing, so who knows. Uh, here is an answer uh, on Are You Afraid of the Dark from uh, Matt uh, Weinberger. Uh, a highlight of the Mondays for sure. Uh, the episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark is by far the pool zombie one. I remember being convinced he was going to come up out of the drain in our shower and kill me, so I didn't bathe for a whole week. Do you all remember this episode? No. They, they So they're like, it's like after school, and they're in a swimming pool, I believe, in like an indoor one, and there's a pool zombie, and they have to stay in the raft, or else the zombie, like the pool monster, will eat them alive. It is... Very upsetting. I watched mm. it last Halloween, and it was grim. Um, it's mm. so grim that Blythe Brown replied with the exact same episode. The one with the slime monster who hung out at the public pool. <laughs> and some <laughs> drain grates and creep everyone out. I like that he hangs out there. Said, I, uh, Blythe says, I still look at drain grates like, not today, pal. <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh, uh, I don't like that. So yeah. Those, those are the responses. Do you cool. There was, there was a bunch of them. Thank you so much for submitting um, added new reviews for the show. We really appreciate it. Um, if you still haven't, um, feel free to uh, review us on um, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, depending on whether you're on desktop or, or whatever. Let Put us in the... your karaoke song. Yeah. Well, not even your, your karaoke song. What is the best? Like, say somebody No, is... I want to know people's, though. Yeah. Individual, like your choice, because I think a lot yeah, of people I respect that. And well, you can put in yours, and you can put in maybe what you like to hear when yeah, you're in karaoke, because right? I it's a fan favorite kind of thing. Um, but yeah. yeah, apart from that, thank you, Allegra, for doing a great job with karaoke. Ironically, my throat really hurts, so this is throwing a wrench into my karaoke <laughs> plans after work. But oh no, it's worth it. Uh, thank you, Chris Plant, for grossing us all out that was horrifying let's <laughs> never hear that again uh i won't be able to look at any of the alexas in my house ever again um and thank you so much to you at all at home for listening to the history of fun where we explore the hidden backstories of the things you like to do, love to do uh my name is russ frustic goodbye and leap those dips leap the dips